Hallelujah, hallelujah. Aren't you happy to be in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night? I like going to church on Wednesday night. I like going to church. It doesn't matter what day it is. Amen. I commend you tonight on your faithfulness to the kingdom of God, the house of God. You know, one of the greatest roles you'll ever feel is being a part of the body of Christ. Think about that. This is a body. Christ being the head. We all play different roles. We have different purposes. We have different functions. Some of us can be fingers. Now understand I'm speaking figuratively. Some could be fingers. Some could be mouth. The preacher is the, is the voice of God. Some could be the ankles, just the small things, but they support the structure. Toes and joints and backsides. I've met some of them. I didn't say I met them here. But it's those kind of people that keep you on your knees. Keep your spirit right. we got so many different. You can laugh. It's all right. I like to laugh. we we, we got so many different personalities in the kingdom of God. Some of them are great. And some of them just are outright terrible. But it's just, it's just everybody coming together for the common good of representing Jesus Christ to the masses. Reaching people. You're going to touch people I can't touch. You're going to interact with people I can't interact with. And that's what makes this so unique. It's the body of Christ. So to be a part of the body of Christ is one of the greatest things that I can do on this earth. And I've come tonight to encourage you. I've come tonight with a word I believe the Lord has laid on my spirit to help someone in this place. We're going to go to three passages of Scripture very short, don't get scared. Mark chapter 14, verse 13. John chapter 2 and John chapter 6. Mark 14, verse 13. I commend you on your fasting, your praying. It's felt in the services. Um, I say this weekend you make a big push. and Let's get people here that need God. And let's just see what the Lord will do this weekend. Let's begin Mark chapter 14 and verse, actually verse 12. And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go ye into the city. And there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. John chapter 2. This being the story of the marriage in Cana. And they were out of wine. We pick this up in verse 5. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there was set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up 
to the brim. John chapter 6. Verse number 9. There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass at the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. You say, preacher, what does, what does all of these have in common? Well, Mark chapter 14 says there was a man. John chapter 2 said there were servants. John chapter 6, there was a lad. But we don't know who they are. But without them, we wouldn't read anything. So I want to preach for a little while unmentioned, but not unnoticed. Unmentioned, but not unnoticed. Would you help me pray? Lord Jesus, thank you tonight for the word of the Lord that's going to speak very plainly to us. I pray for every person in this building, Lord, because you're going to speak to our hearts. You're going to speak to where we are right now at this very moment. I pray for open minds, open hearts, revelation, obedience. Do a work in us tonight. Let us leave with a different mindset than when we came. We thank you for it. And everybody claps their hands unto the Lord. Lord bless you. You may be seated tonight, unmentioned, but not unnoticed. We find tonight within the framework of this precious book so many awe-inspiring feats that could only be made possible through supernatural realms and means. Examples of men who walked with the Lord are abundant in this book. Stories from our youth, still linger in the recesses of our mind. For instance, David and Goliath, Daniel and the den of lions, Moses and the Red Sea, Samson and Delilah, Joseph and the coat of many colors, Paul shaking off the viper, Peter walking on the water, just to name a few, and perhaps you're thinking of many more of stories that were told to us in Sunday school by our parents, etc., etc. Glancing at Hebrews chapter 11, we could see just how many notable men and women stood out in the kingdom of God. Men such as Abel and Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and to name a lady, even Rahab made the list. These are just a few. They all made important contributions in the landscape of history. They are noteworthy. They are exceptional. And they are are significant enough to get their name mentioned in the Word of God. Throughout history, there have been notable men of God leave their fingerprint on society, ladies as well. They walked with God. 
They impacted their world. They were not deterred by the masses. And some we still talk about today. I stand tonight to applaud them. I thank them. I believe that they are worthy of double honor. However, what I find disturbing is this. So many people think that if they are not a somebody, then they are a nobody. The mindset of this world is crippling the kingdom of God because the world says, look at me. But the kingdom of God should be, look at him. The mindset of this world is hindering people from being who God called them to be. They think that if they don't get a spotlight, they think that if they don't get recognition, that they could never be an asset to the kingdom of God when the truth is quite opposite. You don't have to have a spotlight to make a difference for the kingdom of God. You don't have to be a minister, I'll take it even further, to make an impact for the kingdom of God. I'm not taking anything away from a pulpit ministry. I believe that the fivefold ministry is needed. It is ordained by God, but ministry does not stop here. Ministry, being a part of ministering to people can be done by any single person that has a desire to be pleasing to the Lord. Regardless of who you are, regardless of where you've come from, there's a whole lot of good that can be done outside of just preaching in a pulpit. Every single person born in the kingdom of God, hear me, does have a purpose and a function. You are not born into this kingdom on accident. I look at my kids. I I have three children. And if you don't know, I'm fixing to throw it out there. We have a fourth one on the way. So there will be a bucket in the back on your way out. But every one of my girls, I cannot imagine them not being them. They, they, They are born with a certain role. Boy, you, you mamas, you know what I'm talking about. My mom used to tell me when I would, I would, my brothers used to love when I would go away because it was so peaceful. My mom would told me, she, she would always tell me this. She said, now she wasn't calling me this. She was saying, she was using a simile, like. You know, you got to throw the word like in there. She said, you are like the Tasmanian devil. She said, everything would be so peaceful in this house. And you come through that door and you go from person to person to person to person. And it's just like everything starts spinning everywhere you go. And you're not sad. And I didn't even realize I'm doing it. I just, I just, like, I just like stuff going. You know, I, I can't sit still. I, 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 you know, driving here, I don't even like to drive a little while. I've got to get out. I've got to walk around. I've got to do something. I've got to get me some milk duds and a Pepsi or something. I just don't like being still. My time, my, my, my space, that's me. That's who I am. I have a, I have a role. I have a function. And, and, and I, can't, I can't, don't give me a, a book without pictures. 
I'll go through and I'll look at all the pictures and I'll tell you what the book is about based upon the pictures. You know, every book I read is subject to, interp- to interpretation. Well, you, you're like that in the kingdom of God. When God brought you in this kingdom, he don't want you to be like somebody else. He wants you to be you and fulfill your purpose and operate in the realm of your calling and make an impact in the church and in the world. I don't need you to do the helicopter like Sister Susie. That's her helicopter. I don't need you to, you know, we used to grow up making, we'd imitate how people shouted. We knew exactly we could do the Indian war hoop coming out the middle. We could do the helicopter. That was who they are. They don't want, we don't want them to shout like Brother Bob. Brother Bob does the hop, skip, and a jump over here. Everybody's got their own role and their purpose. Understand, I'm being, I'm being humorous about this, but take it on a more serious level. You can only touch certain people that this person can't touch. You have a function. You have a role. You have a purpose. And when a pastor or a man of God gets up here and encourages and tries to prod us, he's not trying to get you to be, do it like anybody else. He's trying to get you to step into the, uh, the realm that God has purposed you and called you. That's why Paul said, compare not yourself amongst yourself. That's a dangerous territory. I know people that they could cry at the drop of a hat. They're just emotional people. In church, out of church, it doesn't matter. They, they'll cry. And I, for years, I beat myself up. God, I can't cry. That scripture, break up the foul ground. I have broke up more foul ground in my life than most people will do in a lifetime, trying to get tears to flow. But there's a difference in having a spirit of brokenness come on you. I can, when, when a spirit of brokenness, we could all move with the spirit. But I'm not the person that's going to cry just to cry. It's not me. So I finally reached the point where, Tyler, be Tyler. Don't try to cry like so-and-so. Don't try to pray like so-and-so. I'm me. You might as well be you because everybody else is taken. I don't want, I used to try to, when I first started preaching, well, I would try to do somebody else's voice. And I would try to preach like that. Finally, it dawned on me, you know what? Just be you. I, there is no other Tyler Austin Stevenson. They don't make them this good. You are you. So you've got to understand, I have a purpose in the kingdom of God. I have a role. I have a function. And nobody can take my place. They may not like you. That's all right. Let them not like you. When they talk about you, just be glad they made you the center of their world for a little while. You know, not everybody's going to like you, and that's all right. But I am me. I am me. There are people scattered throughout the pages of Scripture that play an important role in the plan of God. Without them, I would have not have had a text tonight. Three different locations, and this is by all means not all of them, but three different locations reveal to us miracles that happen. Key pieces in the kingdom of God. So important that God chose them to put them in this holy book. But what is more intriguing about these three texts is we have no idea who they were. No name. 
no origin, no skills, unmentioned, but not unnoticed. That did not exclude them. Their name not being publicized did not exclude them. They were just happy to be a part of what God was doing. There are some traits about these three that I want to share with you tonight that I believe will be applicable to every single person in this place. The first thing that strikes me about these three texts is there is a willingness to just be there. 5,000 hungry people, not including women and children. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He was testing the faith of the disciples. And we come to the point where he says, that they say, there is a lad here. You can almost hear the, a lad, a nobody. What, what, what you going to do with just a lad? He's not some, some big name. He's just a lad. But you know what? Jesus was trying to teach them. There's something to be said for being there. There's something to be said for somebody who's just going to show up where God is. I don't have to have the spotlight. I just want to be in the presence of God. Uh, there may be a miracle happen, and when it does, I want to be there. We need people that will just be there. Don't mind me. I'm just in love with Jesus. I don't have to sing. I, don't, I just want to be in the presence of the Lord. Just be there. Now, I know what people are thinking. I've thought it before. Why is he beating up on me? I'm here. There may be a day when you don't want to be here. And I'll take it even further. For all the ones that aren't here but they're listening, they need to be here. Because you can't experience the miracle unless you're there. You can't get what God has unless you're here. There's something to be said about dependability in the day in which we... Give me somebody who can't sing, but will be here. Give me somebody who's broke, but they'll be here. Give me somebody who doesn't have their act together, but they'll be here. We can have revival when people say, I'm going to be there. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Hey, it's a whole lot easier to preach when there's people out here. I've been there with eight. It's easier to get a wave in an ocean than a bathtub, though. We can get things rolling when people are there. I'm thankful for singers. I'm thankful for sound people. I'm thankful for ushers and hostesses and people, like I said, that make this thing roll like it needs to roll. But what would we be if we didn't have people out here who are just there, who just love the Lord? I commend you. That's why I commend you, because you're here. Regardless of what goes on, Pastor, I'm here. I want to be a part of what God is doing in Webster, Texas. I put personal differences aside. And I'm there. Those, those fair weather people, you know those people. 
Those kind of people that allow their emotions to dictate their dependability. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not going to say I don't like those kind of people. But I don't, I'm just not friends with those kind of people. Because you know what? I may not talk to you for a month. But that has no bearing on how I feel about you. I'm your friend. We can pick up just like, just like last time we saw each other. I may have gained a little weight, but you see what I'm saying. How do you think God feels when, when we get our feelings all ticked off and mad? And, how do you think God feels when we allow our relationship with him to affect us showing up to his presence? How do you think? You don't like when people do that to you. You don't like when people get all sideways and, and cry. I, 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 there's these friends of mine, you know. You may not have people like this. I shouldn't even use the word friends. They're acquaintance. When it's just me and them, you'd have thought we're like that. But you get in a crowd of people, and we're like this. Not because of me. I'm your friend. Well, because maybe I wasn't somebody. You, you've heard of those kind of people. No, no, no. God, God wants those people. That if you're in the midst of a thousand people, we're like this. If it's just me and you, we're like this. God, I'm in love with you. That's our relationship. I'm dependable. I may get my feelings hurt. That's all right. I'm like this. That's how you build a church on dependable, faithful people. Second thing I notice. Is there is a willingness to do anything that needs to be done. How about that? There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And they ran out of wine. And Mary put Jesus on the spot. And Jesus told her and said, woman, it's not my time. And her faith moved him to start his ministry before it was time. She looked at those servants and says, whatsoever... He saith unto you, do it. Now, I know people that would have backslid right there. There was no sugar on it. There was no, we'll make it up to you later. Do it. How about that? Because if you want to see the miracle, if you want to have revival, if you want to change your world, you've got to get your pride down and say, if there's a job that needs to be done in the kingdom of God, I'm going to do it. Pastor, I'm going to do it. Youth pastor, I'm going to do it. Brother and sister, I'm going to do it. If it needs to be done, I'm going to do it. Now, I'm just telling you, if we lived in Bible days, or rather if we brought their methods to, to modern day, that'd be a whole lot of people wouldn't be here tonight. You know what I'm saying? Now you read this right here. There ain't a whole lot of sugar or pacifying that goes on in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's, it's actually pretty stout stuff when you read it. And I've looked at this and go, man, if I tried some of these methods, I would be by myself. But there has to be a willingness in us that says, whatever needs to be done, I'm going to do it. If it sweeps something, I'll be the best sweeper I can be. If it's brush, I'm going to be the best brusher I can be. 
If it's singing, I'm going to be the best singer I can be because I'm doing it for the Lord. Not do it. Yeah, yes, we do all the pastor, but we're not doing I know so many people, their relationship and everything they do is based upon getting a pat on the back from the pastor. I learned a long time ago. If you do, I used to, I had a guy told me one time. I was getting frustrated because I wasn't getting recognized years ago. You know, isn't that silly? He said, you don't go to a bakery that doesn't sell bagels and order bagels because you leave disappointed every time. Once I understood, you know what? I'm doing it for the wrong reason. I'm doing it for God. That's how I, what I should be. I was doing it for man. Now I'm doing it for God. And when, when, you, when you do it for the Lord, you'll always get that sense of affirmation. When you're doing it for the right reasons, it doesn't matter if anybody ever acknowledges you. It doesn't matter if anybody ever pats you on the back and tell you how great of a job you That doesn't matter. What matters is I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm doing it for the kingdom of God. That's what this thing's all about. The kingdom of God. Jesus looked at them and said, fill the water pots with water. Just do it. They didn't look. But, but Jesus... They're out of wine, not water. They didn't argue. Maybe, maybe you didn't understand. Maybe you don't know the problem. And the, you don't see them giving their own opinion. Not that your opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion does matter at certain times. Not all the time. Hey, I, I, I believe we, we should be able to have a great relationship between the body, between the leadership. We should be able to, but you also, we should be able to express how we feel. But here, here's, here's the kicker. You also have to know when to withhold your opinion. Look at your neighbor and say, I might buy that CD. We're going to give it a, boy, how's that? Hey. Jesus, they're not out of water. They're out of wine. You don't see them offering a rebuttal. There are so many people, well-meaning, good, God-fearing people. We're talking about some reprobate. We're talking about people who really do have genuine concerns, but they allow them to be voiced way too often. And then they get upset when they don't get their way. Honey, you can have your say, but you're not always going to have your way. We can let you talk it all day long, but you have to understand there's only one vision, there's only one passion, there's only one pastor, there's only one mission, and I just got to get my feelings aside. I got to get on board, and if it needs to be done, pastor, I'll teach a Bible study. Pastor, I'll knock doors. Pastor, I'll do anything that needs to be done because it's for the kingdom of God. You know what? Something struck me, and this might not be revelation, but when you want wisdom, you know where you go? To the ant. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways, and when you consider her ways, you know what's going to happen? You'll be wise, which having no guide, no overseer, no ruler, No one to pet them. 
No one to pacify them. No one to hold their hand. Having no Yet they provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. In other words, they don't have a leader telling them what to do, yet they still get the job done. Because there's a willingness on their part to to work and to do. You know, let me just throw this out there. If your pastor came up on Sunday and said, all right, we're going to have service June the 1st. Between now and then, I want you to reach people. I want you to stay saved. Now, I, w- I would want to be here on June the 1st just to see how many people made it back and brought somebody. That's, that's what they're saying with the ant. They don't have anybody. But there is a willingness on their part to get the job done. That means teach a class. That means sing a song. That means worship. That means reach. That means whatever needs to be. I was working with a guy years ago. The guy had so much passion and potential. He had charisma. He could sing. He was, he was at church, and he was the one getting all the, all the recognition. Here I was, about 17 years old, and, and I felt like I was not even a blimp on the radar. And one day, I overheard him telling somebody, Pastor told me I need to be teaching Bible studies. He said, I'm done teaching Bible studies. I need to be preaching. And I knew, I, I, I knew that day, that day, that he would never get to a pulpit long term. Because he revealed his spirit. And the guy is backslidden today. Because he had a look at me mentality we need to be set free from what's in it for me it's not about me it's about what needs to be done in the kingdom of god it's a, it's not about recognition it's the bible says whatsoever thy hand findeth to do do it with all why because pastor may not see it brother so-and-so may not see it but god sees it God, I'm doing this for God. Every time when I first made up my mind and felt my calling to preach, I said if I ever have a pulpit where I could put something on it as a pastor, I would have a plaque and it would say, like it's your last time. Because that's how I've always tried to preach, like it's my last time. Because if you preach like there's no tomorrow, then when it comes that there is no tomorrow, you won't have any regrets because you do it unto the Lord. Now, I know I'm kind of getting on a soapbox, but, but bear with me. I got the mic. There are talented people in churches, and I think, I'm thankful for talented people. I would rather hear somebody on key than off key. I can't sing, and I'm fine with that. I'm not trying to sing. But what I don't like is people who, who are so reliant on talent with no anointing. We don't have to have your talent, honey. We don't, you are not, you are not so valuable that we, that you're going to cripple the kingdom of God. Let me remember my, when I used to work for this guy years ago and uh, somebody would quit, he'd always look at me and say, hey, bub, 
One monkey don't stop no show. Circus goes on without a monkey. And I've always remembered that. Some people think that they're not replaceable. I'm not saying this the wrong way, but it's that attitude that I don't like where people think, well, I, everything revolves around me. Look at me. Honey, Jesus said, bring me a colt that's never been sat on. In other words, give me something with no talent. And when the anointing sits on it, Jesus sat on it, it fulfilled the purpose. And God still will take a, a nobody with no talent and say, I'll fulfill it when I, the anointing rests upon it. Nehemiah said, so we, so built we the wall, and the wall was joined together under the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. There was a group of people that said, you know what? Whatever needs to be done, we're going to do it. That's how you have revival. When you get precious people like you in this building that say on a Wednesday night, we're going to have revival. On a Monday night, we're going to have revival. On a Saturday, whatever needs to be done, we're going to have revival. A willingness to show up and do what needs to be done. doesn't matter if I get recognition. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. The third thing is there is a willingness to stand out in society. Mark chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples, Go into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. Seems so simple, yet you have to understand the custom for that day was for women to draw the water, for women to carry the water pot. And Jesus said, Don't. Follow the norm for society. You follow the person who's willing to stand out in society. You follow the one who's going to go against the grain of the world. You follow the one, the man, who's got the pitcher of water. And you follow that person to fulfill the purpose and the miracle. Hear me. We need people now more than ever who are not going to blend in with the world, but will stand out in the world. We need to have a mindset. I'm not apostolic by chance. I'm apostolic by choice. I choose to be like this. Nobody's making me. Nobody's telling me. But I'm in love with Jesus. That's why everything we do is different than what the world does. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. One of the greatest things you can do for the kingdom is just simply represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Don't blend in. Anybody can blend in. My goodness. Anybody can go along with the things of the world. But God says, people want something different. So you follow the man who's different. You follow the man who's standing out. The people of this world, they're going to be drawn to the things that are different. They're going to be drawn to the Holy Ghost that's in you. And if you try to conceal it 
and you try to cover it up, that man wasn't afraid to carry that water pitcher because there was a purpose behind it. We're not, we're not separate just to be separate. There's a purpose behind our separation. There's a purpose behind being called out. The Bible says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. It's one thing to be set free. It's another thing to stay free. There's been plenty of people have been set free. But staying free. Anybody can be enticed. There's no sin in being enticed. Anybody. But enticed, if you're not careful, will lead to entangled. And that's when you become caught up again. And that same stuff that God set you free from, that same stuff that God delivered you from, that's why, that's why the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas, no doubt, sang songs with him, heard great preaching, perhaps preached himself some sermons. But somewhere along the way, he decided, I'm not going to go against the grain. I'm just going to go with the grain of the world. And he just started blending in. Enticed, led to entangled. And the problem is that so many people today are allowing the world to influence their minds. Hear me, I'm not apostolic on Sunday and Wednesday only. I'm apostolic seven days a week. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. We need to have the boldness of Peter and John. We need to have something come on us. If the world can push their ungodly agenda down our throat, I believe we can stand for righteousness. We can stand for holiness. We can stand for truth and not back down or bend. I'm not ashamed. Stand with me all over the building tonight. See, ma'am or sir, you may never get a spotlight. And that's fine. I tell God all the time, I still pray, God, if I preach behind a wall and nobody sees me, that's fine. Because it's not about me. It's about Him. If you never get a pat on the back, that's fine. It's about being here. It's about showing up. And it's about doing anything that needs to be done. And it's about going against the grain of society. And standing out for Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, talent and ability will not get the job done. One, one person said, it does not take great men to do great things. It only takes consecrated men 
to do great things. Men and women just like you who just show up and do what needs to be done and live a godly life and let your light shine in a dark world. His name was William Borden, Jr. He was heir to the family empire. He had wealth. He had everything one person could ever desire. He attended Yale. Later, he attended Princeton. He was a somebody. But he decided that he was going to step out of the spotlight. Because he felt God tugging at his heart. After graduating, he set sail to China with purpose and with passion. He wanted to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Went to a land where nobody knew him. Where he wouldn't get recognition. Where he wouldn't live with fame and notoriety and money. But he was doing something that God laid on his heart. After one month, William Borden Jr. came down with spinal meningitis. And William Borden Jr. died. Questions began to flood his father's mind. No doubt people back in the States thought, what a wasted life. A man who could have had anything money could buy. A man who could have had wealth and notoriety. He wasted it all. Hurt and disappointment. Full of rage. One day his father received a small box in the mail. And it was just a very small bit of stuff that belonged to his son, William Borden Jr. In a fit of rage, his father opened that box and threw it aside. And there fell out a small Bible. Through tear-stained eyes, he picked up that Bible. And these were the words written in the cover of William Borden Jr.'s Bible. No reserve. No retreat. No regrets. No reserve. No retreat. I have no regrets. Someone who never got the spotlight. Someone who never got recognition. But he said, if I could do it all over again just to be a part of what God was doing, how much more tonight you and I, having been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, can we stand here with hands raised and say, no reserve, no retreat. I have no Regrets, Ladies and gentlemen, you have an opportunity tonight to be a part of the greatest thing that God has ever established. And that is the church, the kingdom of God. And you have a purpose. I think it would be in order tonight if we step out of our pew and we made a trip down this altar in an act of dedication and rededication and reconsecration and said, God, I reconsecrate tonight because there's a job that needs to be done. I have a purpose. I have a role. I can make a difference in the kingdom of God. You can 